0: Welcome to It's All About Who You Know with host Craig Turner from Momentum, the business growth agency. On our podcast, Craig interviews executives from chambers of commerce around the United States and Canada, tapping into their expertise on how to get the most value from your business associations, how their organizations are serving their members,
1: and what's happening in their market for companies looking to grow there. Here's Craig Turner. Welcome to the It's All About Who You Know podcast brought to you by Momentum, the business growth agency. I'm Craig Turner, your host, and we've got another great episode for you. The first half of 2022 is going very quickly, and if you're in the chamber world, I'm thinking you're starting now to maybe finish up with your annual meetings and community celebration events and moving into summer and probably golf tournament season. We've got our first chamber golf event coming up on June 3rd in Pittsburgh, and it's always a fantastic event. There's a little plug to our very first podcast guest, Chris Heck, and his team there at the Pittsburgh Airport Chamber. Of course, those events exist not only for networking, but to support the much larger initiatives the Chambers of Commerce take on. And that's what we love digging into here on the podcast. I'm very excited today to be joined by Chris Romer, who's president and CEO for the Vale Valley Partnership. Now, Chris wasn't just a referral to the podcast, but a referral from multiple people. So I'm anticipating um, some significant knowledge to be dropped on us today. And if you spend two minutes on the Valley Partnerships website, and we'll give you the link to that later, you'll see that we actually have an awful lot to talk about. So, Chris, thank you for being here with us today.
0: Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thank you for the, the kind introduction. And I hope I don't let you down with all those referrals.
1: Well, we'll turn it back to them and then I'll tell you who they were. That's right. So let me start by just giving everybody a quick formal intro, and then we can get to some conversation. Uh, Chris Romer serves as president and CEO of the Vale Valley Partnership, which is the regional chamber of commerce, destination sales organization, and economic development organization representing Vale Valley, Colorado. The partnership was named chamber of the year in both 2016 and 2020 by the Association of Chamber of Commerce Executives, as you all know, it's ACCE. Chris is a macroscopic thinker who believes in tackling big issues through localized solutions. He's a graduate of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce's Foundation's Institute for Organizational Management Program, the IOM. He's a Western Association of Chamber Executives accredited chamber executive and has been named a top 25 mind in hospitality, sales, marketing, and revenue management by Hospitality Sales and Marketing Association International. He was chamber executive of the year named by the Colorado Association of of Commerce and Industry. And Chris was named a Pettit Award winner by the Western Association of Chamber Executives. Chris dedicates time to a variety of volunteer boards, including the Western Association of Chamber Executive, Colorado Mountain College, Colorado Competitive Council, Tourism Industry Association of Colorado, the Colorado Association of Destination Marketing Organizations, and a whole bunch more that I'm sure will will drop some names and acronyms on people throughout this conversation. Chris has also served as a governor appointee to the Brand Colorado Council, the Colorado Tourism and Outdoor Recreation Key Industry Steering Network, and the Governor's COVID Recovery Task Force, a big part of the last few years, I'm sure, for you. So when it goes beyond your community understanding the impact of your organization to your peers understanding it as well, you know you're on to something. So thanks again, Chris. We appreciate you being here.
0: Yeah, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity.
1: So let's start simply with an intro to the Vale Valley Partnership. Can you tell us a little bit about the organization?
0: Yeah, sure thing. I appreciate appreciate that opportunity to talk about that too. So I'll keep it relatively brief. Uh, but as you mentioned, we are we have we have three legs to the proverbial stool. We are a regional chamber of commerce, county-wide, representing nine communities within our our service area. We are the Regional Economic Development Corporation, again, working with all those municipalities and our special districts and our business community to focus on business retention and um, workforce needs and other things from an economic development standpoint. And we're also the destination sales organization. Many Many organizations are more familiar with the term destination marketing organization, we do not collect a lodging tax. All of our efforts are, are funded through um, contract for services rendered or membership dues, participation fees. So we, we focus on group sales and airport development and some of those things, niche, niche opportunities. We're not the brand marketer, but rather support the niche opportunities like groups and meetings and airport development and things like that. So we have our hands in all of those things in a community like the Vale Valley. Home to Vale and Beaver Creek ski resorts. That's what we're best known for, of course. But we also have a very thriving business community. We're dependent on tourism, but we need to focus on business retention and, and workforce retention. So all three of those overlap quite a bit on the if you picture a Venn diagram with Chamber of Commerce, Economic Development, and Tourism Services, the, the overlap is is pretty is pretty significant. So we we focus on all three of those things and have that story to tell underneath the umbrella of Vail Valley Partnership.
1: I wanna talk a little bit more about the, the community, but when, when we get to talking about you and your role, I wanna kind of explore you being pulled in those three different directions, because I think a lot of a lot of uh, chamber executives maybe deal with two of them, but don't have the tourism or deal with the chamber and the tourism, but not the economic development side. So I'm, I'm curious how you spend your time on that and your, and your focus mostly. Let's talk about what's going on in the region right now. Uh, some good stuff that's happening, brag a little bit, but also don't hold back on, on the challenges.
0: Yeah, from a, from a good standpoint, our economy by most every traditional metric is, is booming. We're coming off the, the best ski season we've ever heard, had in terms of, of visitor numbers, rolling through 11 months of record sales tax collections in our area. So some of the traditional metrics are really doing quite well. Our airport had the best year ever in 2021, most in but there's a downside to that. Our businesses are incredibly stressed. They they don't have the workforce to accommodate um, the service levels that we're accustomed to. And they don't have the workforce to grow the way they want to grow and expand here. We're seeing businesses having to expand outside of our area in order to accommodate their business growth. We're seeing immense pressure on workforce housing and healthcare, early childhood and some of those fundamental things that a lot of people are dealing with around the country that are simply exasperated in a rural resort environment where you cannot drive to qualify because we have mountain passes and tunnels and cliffs and and different things. So we have have some very real challenges amongst um, an, an economy that by all traditional metrics
1: is doing quite well. So let me dig into that a little bit because I'm, I'm sure you have data on on why that's all happening. So, and and I, I I think I know some of these answers, but but why 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 the most employments? Why the economy buzzing the way it is? What what what's driving it for you?
0: Yeah, the, it, what's really driving the the tourism economy and the recreation economy is the pent up demand that that was created during the pandemic when people could not travel. So there's the pent up demand on one hand, and then there's being located in a community and in a region that is known for outdoor recreation, right? Our, our, our ski resorts, that's an outdoor activity. People can be spaced, people can be, they can be outside. They're not, they're not dependent upon being inside with, with crowds. Our, our, our ski company dropped the um, price of a season pass significantly. That spurred some demand, and our group and meeting business is at record levels, the pipeline for group and meeting business, again, in part because of the, um, the cancellations that occurred and were rebooked, and in part because people have recognized as we come out of the pandemic, people have recognized the value of face-to-face and in-person meetings. And so there's, there's new demand, there's pent-up demand, there's the um, all of it from both a group and leisure standpoint that has created this this whirlwind. From an air travel standpoint, we run our air service development program. um, And last summer, most of the airlines were not flying a lot of international routes. So they had aircraft to reallocate and they reallocated flights. We had flights from Atlanta, Chicago, um, other places that we haven't had historically during the summer months. Um, They reallocated them and and saw good, good pickup on those flights that helped drive that because those, those planes were not being used otherwise. So they re, reallocated them to the, the domestic resort markets that they knew would do well.
1: You talk about the, the phrase that people use, it's a, it's a good problem to have, but but then you get in the middle of it and the, the, the good problem to have often, often covers other problems. All those things that you're dealing with right now, uh, this spark, this extra business, what's the chamber focused on right now?
0: Yeah, we are we are focused. So good problems are still problems, right? Right. Let's, let's let's acknowledge that, and I and you alluded to it, but let's put it right out on the table. Good problems are still problems. For us, we are focused uh, on two things. One is workforce, workforce development, workforce programming, upskilling, reskilling, talent pipeline development doing as at the best we can to solve short-term problems with regards to workforce while at the same time working on long-term fundamental challenges with talent pipeline development. So that, that's number one. And number two is advocacy working really hard to be the voice for business at a local level with our, our nine towns, at a regional level with our County and at a statewide level, and even a federal level with some federal policies to ensure that our, our business community isn't b- being handcuffed and isn't being unfairly taxed and overregulated in an environment where they where they would struggle to grow or attract or retain employees. So I think the advocacy component for, for high functioning chambers is is always in the top two or three things that we would be focusing on. And so workforce probably number one and, and advocacy number two.
1: So coming out of the out of the pandemic, we talk about this pretty much every episode. The 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 chamber model and the chamber relationship with their members has changed over time. But but the pandemic kind of accelerated. Often some things that were happening already just kind of put it first and foremost. Where all of a sudden, you know, instead of trying to figure out what your what your members needed on a daily basis, they were calling you and telling you, and you need to be ready to respond. What's your relationship with your your members coming out of the coming out of the pandemic?
0: yeah that's a it's such a great question. And you know, I, my answer might be a little different than than some others. For us, we've always taken pride in being a mission focused chamber, mission driven, really focused on the health of our business community, really focused on not only listening to our members, which I think chambers across the board do a very good job of listening to our members, where I think many chambers, fall short is acting on what they hear, right? So we've, we've always tried to do that through member surveys and 12 at 12s and focus groups and workforce studies and industry groups and all the different things, but it's, it's taking action on those, those initiatives and building programs around what you hear. And so to answer your question, I think that, that positioned us really well as we, as we went into the pandemic and as we're coming out of the pandemic, because we were never dependent on events to fund our organization. We were never dependent on that, that transactional aspect of, of people needing to attend things to see value in the chamber. We were positioned and really started making this shift, um, you know, coming out of the recession in 2010-ish, to really be focused on the value of, of engagement of involvement and engagement versus the value of just being a part of the overall mission. So the the partnership has a strong relationship with our members. We really try to be transformational versus transactional And I think that is that has benefited us with our with our government partners, with our special districts and most especially
1: with our business community. If you don't mind, I'd like to dig into workforce, and I say if you don't mind because nobody has any answers on this yet. But it's occurring to me that you have—I mean—you have an interesting challenge because you're not everybody that we've we've talked to on the podcast. Even though they're rural communities have always been forty minutes or an hour away from metro areas where they could really reasonably pull workforce, you you're isolated there. You really have a, a different kind of challenge. How are you even? starting that conversation to approach, knowing also that we know these trends that uh, we talked about with uh, the Kansas City Chamber is that some of your people in town are being pulled by the coasts because they can work remotely and, and make more money and still live where they want to live. So how do, you, how do you even start this conversation?
0: Yeah, it's twofold. So our community and our our demographics as I mentioned, a, a, a tourism-oriented me about half our jobs in the tourism recreation sector. Um, and it's been that way for a long time, about 60 years since the Ski Mountain, Vail Mountain opened. And then in, in 1980, 81, when Beaver Creek Mountain opened, our, our economy has been and our workforce has been recruit and pray. Recruit kids to come here for a year off of college or a gap year or as they graduate. Recruit young people call it age 20 to 26, and then pray that they stay. And our our data shows that we have a a large influx of people in that age range. Um, And then we kind of stabilize from, say, 26 to 30. And from age 30 to 65, we have a net out-migration every single year of people age 30 to 65. That's when people are going into their peak career years and peak earning years and that's where our housing and early childhood and these other cost of living drivers really impact our community and our, our, our sustainability as a, as a community. So we're focused on two components. Number one is changing the idea of recruit and pray to grow our own. We launched a youth apprenticeship program. We are in every eighth grade classroom talking about career pathways. We are working closely with our school district our community college and youth serving nonprofits to get into every eighth grade classroom to do assessment testing and work on, on career pathways and internships and every opportunity we can to expose our students to the opportunities that exist in our, in our community. I and mean, not just in tourism, but in every other sector, the, the trades and finance and information technology and, and all the rest. So that that development aspect capulates in a in a two-year youth apprenticeship program that takes place in kids' um, senior year of high school and, and one year after, where they're if they're successful with the intern or the apprenticeship, they have a guaranteed job at at the area median wage. So it's a really good, a really good opportunity from a talent pipeline talent development standpoint. Now that said, that's a long tail game. That takes effort. We're in eighth grade. And eighth graders are not going to solve our workforce problem, right? Right. But but we hope to continue to grow that. We've had immense success with it. The the second component is how do we retain more of those people who do choose to come here? They come here at 22 to 26 when we see that influx. How do we, instead of praying that they stay, how do we be more intentional about our efforts in upskilling and reskilling and exposing them to the other opportunities that exist? maybe within the recreation and tourism industry and maybe outside of, of that industry that most of them come here for. So that, that becomes a little more complicated, but we have, we have professional development programming and certificate programming, partnering with our community college on programs, um, and also focusing on things like workforce housing and things like healthcare. We've launched um, two different 501 C3s in the past year, targeting workforce and targeting healthcare in order to impact that retention effort to retain those
1: those young professionals. So you kind of, this is a good segue, because you kind of got into some of the stuff I was talking about, and I'm glad you had an answer for that, that's fantastic. So much going on right now, outside of workforce, because you did address this question for workforce, uh, how are you looking at the future? You have so much on your to-do list for, on a daily basis, but, but someone in your role, in your organization, still needs to think 10 years, 25, 50 years out. How, how is the chamber uh, facilitating that conversation?
0: Yeah, that's actually a, a key component in our, our strategic plan is looking 20 years ahead of what, what we want this community to be and how do we help drive that discussion on what we want the community to be versus just being reactionary to the things that are happening. And in a, in a community like ours, the the challenges are known. We, we have every piece of data from town surveys to county surveys to business studies that we've done all validated across the board with demographer information and and other things. And it really comes down to housing, affordable housing, attainable housing, workforce housing, community housing, whatever housing term you choose to use. Our real estate environment is, is different than many other communities because as I said earlier, you can't drive to qualify. Because there's just natural barriers, environmental barriers that, that prevent that from happening. And all of the most of the easy land has already been developed. The other component with that is that our real estate market is a international real estate market in a place like Pittsburgh or Cincinnati, Ohio, where I grew up. Most of the people coming or going are coming or going because of work because of family to relocate to be closer to family, because they have a job offer that they've accepted, or a job offer out of town. So they're selling or they're moving up, but they're not, you know, you're you're seeing pressure from people who are are living and working in that community. In our community and in other ski resort communities and other tourism oriented communities, we have a global market. When a house goes on the market, it's not only our local market, it's people from Denver and people from Dallas and people from Mexico and Canada and New York and California, so it creates a, a a huge challenge for our local residents to be able to compete with the dollars that exist in the second. I say second homeowner market. It's really the third, fourth, fifth homeowner market. People who can come in and pay cash, and you know the the, the prices would astonish people. I mean, the in my residential neighborhood, not even in the resort core homes are going for $1000 a square foot. and that's a that's not not a tourism connected to or close by tourism communities but the the immense pressure on housing at $1000 a square foot in in community neighborhoods it's much much higher than that in the resort areas so we we are heavily focused on on housing and our other cost of living barriers as well primarily healthcare and early childhood
1: that's a crazy challenge to deal with, wow. It is. It's a
0: long-term challenge, right?
1: It sure is. Yeah. Yeah, cuz you're on one hand you're talking about okay, somebody coming out of college and coming in and going to make, you know, if they're doing if they're good, make $65,000 a year, they're not going to come close to any of those houses, but you got to find somewhere for them to live if you're going to have access to their recess, resources as a worker. That's right. Yeah. All right, let me let me get away from Uh, the chamber, of the community a little bit and talk about you in your role, your three headed role. What, what gets you excited? What gets you out of bed in the morning about, about your job?
0: Yeah, for me, it's that this is going to sound trite and I don't mean it to, but the ability to positively impact our community and to be able to try to help shape and form and build community where my daughter can come back to live after she finishes college she's in high school right now but i think about that all the time how do we help our kids be able to come back here and thrive you know and there's a difference between surviving in a place like this and thriving in a place like this and thriving depends on all the things i've already talked about i'm not going to repeat all of them but they're the same issues um so working every day to be able to do that and to be able to help our um, our businesses and celebrate their success and be able to share with people through podcasts like this and others that this community is not just a, a tourism community we have great outdoor recreation we have wonderful skiing we have great events and programs and it's what we're known for and it's what we will probably always be known for and that's a that's a great thing and we celebrate that but but I also want this place to be known as a great place to start a business and grow a business and build a career so we get to work on a lot of the things that allow those things to happen which which fires me up every single day
1: let me go back to that question i i asked i started at the beginning about your your three different roles that you have you get up in the morning you've got your to-do list how do you and this is a personal let's call it a work ethic time management question how do you segment yourself into the three different roles that you uh that, that you have to take on
0: Yeah, I I think the answer to that is being very intentional, being intentional about about time, being intentional about what the pressing issues are at the moment, and being intentional of not being afraid to say no to things that aren't mission-focused and having immense and complete faith in my team to be able to do the, the tactical components and the member services and the group sales and the components that they do in order to allow me to focus on the, the bigger picture and the board engagement and the advocacy and public affairs and the, the regional development that helps put us on the map and gives us a bigger voice at a at a state level. So it's, it's a matter of being very intentional, knowing that you don't need to do it all. You have a team that you give them the autonomy and the direction and, and be open to having the conversation with them of where they need support. My team knows that they have 100% autonomy to get things done. 100% autonomy. We'll provide coaching opportunities. We'll talk about what ifs, but I will never, ever, and never have second guess a decision that they've made as long as they can explain why they did it. Tell me why. Okay, good. What about, did you think about, what about next time? So the using it as a coaching versus any kind of here's how I would have done it, I'll never say that to my team. They I, I hire adults and I treat them accordingly. And that really does help. It, it seems like it's not a direct answer to your question, but it actually really is because I couldn't accomplish what I do and have all three of those components and the public affairs and the board management and the community aspects and publishing our positions on a regular basis without having a team that did the heavy lifting. So I'm, I'm immensely thankful for them and our environment has allowed that to to work and to really thrive.
1: I think actually it was a great answer to the question of starting out with saying being intentional. And then, and then the, the, the second piece is the knowing you can't do everything. And sometimes you have to say no, which is a great segue to the next question. Our favorite question we ask on, on the podcast is uh, because there are so many ideas in the chamber world, you've got your board's got ideas, your staff, your community, your elected officials have ideas, you can't do them all. And a lot of times the 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 ones that are able to move forward are the ones that actually can have the financial backing to make them, to make them them happen. So what we like to ask is if you in your role had a blank check to do something in the community, what what would you what would you use that for? I, I love the question so much. Yeah. <laughs> because it really
0: it helps you helps me really frame, you know, what are the what are the things we're doing and how are we working towards that? So for me, I think what I would do with a, with an unlimited check and and this is on our on our radar, we haven't pulled the trigger yet, but it's something we're investigating. I would create a community land trust and that community land trust would use that unlimited funding that you talked about and raise money in order to purchase lands and be able to work with developers and communities to purpose that for deed-restricted workforce housing that required people to live and work in Eagle County. We have some housing like that, uh, but it's not in a land trust. So I would would look at open plots of land. I would purchase that land under the land trust model, work on developing the housing that required people to live and work here so that we had a normalized real estate market within our larger real estate market that's that's international. So that would be my my golden goose aspirational aspect in order to positively benefit both the community and the chamber.
1: I'll tell you I feel very good about myself because that's exactly what my head was thinking a couple minutes ago when you were talking about about that workforce challenge. Yeah, that's a that's a great answer. That makes perfect sense. You got a hot mic in front of you. Are there any Members that you want to give a, give a shout out to for the good work they're doing?
0: Yeah. You know, there's, there's so, so many, but I'll point out a couple because I think it's, we just have, we have, we have so many people doing so many good things just as every other chamber does in their communities, but our hospital, not only, and I'm not even going to talk about the COVID response because most hospitals did amazing work there. Ours did as well, but our hospital is two different things that probably most are not doing. Number one, prior to the pandemic, they had implemented a program called Eagle Valley Behavioral Health. And it was a, a completely focused on mental health and behavioral health aspects. This launched in 2019, and they've, they've more than quadrupled the number of therapists in the area. They've launched a, a program Fundraised for a program called Olivia's Fund that allows every resident in the community to have six therapy sessions at no cost, regardless of your insurance status, regardless of your ability to pay, you get six sessions at no cost. They've done programming at businesses and in the community to train the trainers and done launched peer groups. We partner with them on the peer groups to, to have those mental health and behavioral health Stigmas in, in the Rocky Mountain region it has an unfortunate moniker as the suicide belt. And it's ranging from Montana all the way down to New Mexico. And it's something that's it's a secondary pandemic in our mountain communities and in the in this entire Rocky Mountain West. This bootstrap Western cowboy mentality does not serve us really well when it comes to the mental health and behavioral health of our, our residents so they they deserve immense credit for launching that and really doubling down on it during the pandemic the second thing they've done that i think is super impressive they're partnering with us to build a what we call the mountain healthcare coalition as far as i know we'll be the first chamber to have done this we we have our 501c3 status we're working with our department of insurance and we will have a healthcare product on the market in 2023 that is a regional, you know, we're, we're drawing the maps around our Eagle River Valley and having not, not bundled into the larger state regions. And those discounts provided by the hospital will be passed directly on to the people who participate in the purchasing co-op. So it's different than a MIWA. It's open to everybody. And we're, we're taking the charge on that with, in partnership with our hospital. So really innovative stuff, really community-driven stuff, and really important work.
1: That's fantastic. Yeah, I'm glad you. I'm glad you told that story, and we'll, we'll highlight it when we uh, when we blast the blast the podcast out. So, part of getting to a position like yours and succeeding in a position like yours is staying in the know all the time. Often, maybe maybe understated, as staying inspired. Are there books, podcasts, blogs that you adhere to that you would that you would share and think people would get something out of? Yes, of course.
0: I'm I'm, I'm a little bit more of a book reader than a podcast listener. Uh, but I'm sure there's, there's lots of, of opportunities there. For me, as someone who tries to be a lifelong learner and tries to continue to expose myself to lots of different thinking, there's really two that stand out for me. One is, is Simon Sinek and the infinite game. I think it's so relevant to Chambers of Commerce and the work that we do in our communities. The general premise of the infinite game is that there's no winning or losing. The idea of the game is to stay in the game. And when we look at these different community challenges, be it be it homelessness or behavioral health, housing or healthcare, early childhood or workforce development, we need to acknowledge the fact that we're not ever going to fix the problem. Fixing means making better. We will make it better. We will improve it. And The Infinite Game is, is such a great, thought-provoking book on that reinforces the idea that it's not about winning. It's about staying in the game and continuing to improve things and make things better. So I love that book. I highly recommend it. The other is Essentialism. And Essentialism is uh, an author by the name of Greg McCown. And Essentialism is very basic in its premise. It's that it's okay to say no. Focus on the work you do. Do it really well, but don't feel like you need to do everything.
1: You are the second Chamber exact to to, ref, to uh, reference essentialism, so that's great, and I appreciate that. Yeah, and we'll highlight we'll highlight those books too. I know I know that we get people that that, that pull these books once once they're um, once they're recommended. So I'm going to start to wrap up. Thank you. This has been fantastic. I really appreciate it. And uh, you know, I I, I kind of joke because my you know I'm in I'm in uh, Buffalo, my personal network is kind of strongest east of the Mississippi and now I've run three or four episodes uh, west of the Mississippi which is great so I appreciate I appreciate you coming on because the perspectives are hey, they're a little bit different but they're you know many things at the foundational level they're the same if someone wants to learn more about Vale Valley or the Vale Valley partnership uh, where's the best place to send them
0: I would encourage people to visit valevalleypartnership.com at, at our website there, you can link off to our economic development website and our tourism website, but it, valevalleypartnership.com outlines all of our programs and all of our advocacy efforts, uh, all of our staff and team that, that make everything happen. So that's the best place for people to go, ValleyPartnership.com.
1: Great. And I noticed you have a podcast too with quite a few episodes. Where, where's, uh, what's, what's, your, uh, what's your purpose and how is that doing?
0: Yeah, our, our podcast is called The Partnership Podcast. Um, I didn't have my creative hat on when we, when we named that, that podcast, but we wanted to keep it pretty clear. People in, the, in our community, in our service area know the partnership by name, so it works pretty well. We, we do a variety of things through our podcast, promoting our community, sharing the success stories. I think one of the biggest challenges for Chambers is how we storytell. How do we tell our, the story of our business community? How do we tell the story of our chamber? How do we tell the story of our members? And the podcast has proven to be a pretty, a pretty successful way for us to, to do that. We try to keep our episodes pretty tight that people can listen to in a car ride. And we've had really nice feedback from our members and
1: our community. Excellent. Well, Chris, thank you so much for being here with us. We appreciate it. Our listeners appreciate it. I wish you and the partnership success and all the great things you're doing especially so many, such a wide reach of uh, activity. Uh, I look forward to staying in touch. I followed you. I followed the, the partnership on LinkedIn and, uh, and we'll continue to engage with you that way. To our listeners, I hope that you're utilizing all of your Chamber's resources to help grow your business this year. They are there to help you do just that. So use them and support your Chambers as well. They're trying to take care of a lot of businesses and have and you have resources, expertise, and energy that can help them do that. If you're interested in learning how we can help you create a strong relationship with your Chamber of Commerce, check out our website at www.momentumforbusinessgrowth.com. I also encourage you to connect with me, Craig Turner, on LinkedIn, where I post weekly advice, information, and guidance on how to make the most of your Chamber of Commerce investments. Again, if you're doing business in Vale Valley or are interested in the market, please check out www.valevalleypartnership.com and connect with Chris and his team. Maybe check out a few podcast episodes and get the latest scoop. Thank you again, Chris, for being here with us. Thanks to our listeners. And we'll see you soon with another episode of the It's All About Who You Know podcast. Take care.